The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is Brandon Ayuk, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you today by Underdog Fantasy. We use promo code ROSTER for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100 over on Underdog for all your best ball needs. Joining us today, a repeat guest on the podcast. Leone, have you been on the podcast or the Sirius XM show? I know you, or have you been on both? I've been on both, I believe. Okay. We definitely did the podcast. I don't think, I don't know if we did it last year, two years ago, we definitely did it. Uh, we were talking about stacking uh, when I released that article. Right. So he is, of course, Mike Mike Leone from Establish the Run. You can find him on Twitter at two, the numeral two hats and then the numeral one Mike. So two hats, one Mike on Twitter. He does a ton of the work over there on the back end with the data during the NFL season with the projections. Right now, ETR has launched a DFS golf product that Leone is having help with, a USFL product. They're going to have their draft kit for NFL out uh, really soon. Of course, a bunch of great content over there for dynasty rankings, et cetera, et cetera. And if you're in an NBA, uh, I think ETR now, you guys are in your second year doing NBA stuff. Yeah, second full season doing NBA. And uh, it's been going really well. We've added a props package to NBA too. That um, Props are a bunch of fun if you're not into like the full-on DFS grind. All right, Leone, I got to ask you a million things. I saw you went on the Rotoviz podcast um, with Sean Siegel. Uh, I saw the tweet saying that you guys were talking zero RB. So I want to just ask you first off, um, what about these roster allocations in the in the in the underdog setup? Uh, you know, you, whenever we talk zero RB for best ball, what exactly was it that you that you guys were talking about as far as your your roster allocations at that position? Yeah, we were wondering, you know, if it's going to be a good year for zero RB or not. And part of the reason why it might be more difficult this year is I don't think that usual, you know, what we call the running back dead zone, those rounds three through six, where in the past we've just pounded wide receivers in those rounds and it's just 
the the upside there is so juicy. I mean, that's where Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase came from last year. You know, the year prior, a lot of the league winners, you know, again, you know, Stefan Diggs, Keenan Allen, like they came from just pounding receivers that three through six round. This year, it looks like a little more challenging to just pound wide receiver and get that same return on investment, at least as the landscape shakes out right now. And that kind of, you know, in, in some ways that makes, you know, zero RB a little bit more difficult um, because, you know, if you're, you're zero RB is dependent on those wide receiver picks being like very, very plus EV. And if they're not, you may want to go to running back there for me, traditionally in best ball, I, I like the extremes, Alex. I like the, the taking a couple of running backs early and only taking like four or five and being like real fragile with it. And just hoping that the guys I take early don't bust, don't get hurt. And that buys me lots of extra wide receiver spots to mess with throughout the draft. And if you're playing best ball, have, you can make up for quality at wide receiver with quantity, which you can't really do in managed season long. Or sometimes I will jump the other way and I'll go, you know, full zero RB. If I'm drafting like six, seven running backs, and I'm going very wide receiver heavy early. So those were some of the concepts that we were, you know, toying with and, and throwing back and forth on the Rotoviz podcast. So, and you can hear it over there at the Rotoviz podcast, where I think that I saw it on, I think I saw it on your, I think you re, you retweeted somebody's tweet. So you can go find it at two hats, one mic, you can find the link there, but all right. So, but you said, I found it interesting. So, all right, running back dead zone, that's been something that's been popularized over the course of the last couple of years that people talk about. They talk about the bust rate of these running backs that you take between rounds three and six. Is that it? Is that about how you define it? Mid round three through round six or seven? Is that kind of the. Yeah, I think that's the easiest way to define it. It's basically the guys whose roles are pretty fragile. They're being drafted based on you know, projectable volume. Think of someone like Mike Davis last year, who I did take in some leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was the poster he, boy last year for the dead zone, right? <laughs> he's he's the poster boy because it was like, we don't think he's very good. His team's probably not that good, but you know, he's going to be the starting running back. So he's going to project well everywhere. And you know, it, it always depends on cost. I don't think these guys are useless, but Sometimes these guys get overdrafted because of what their value is day one of the NFL season. And it's a long season. Chaos can happen. And if you're not that talented or your offense is at risk of being not very good, then the floor can just drop out on these guys who starting the year, it looked like they were pretty safe because they projected for, you know, 60% of their team's carries and like X percentage of their team's targets. And then they're inefficient. They get replaced. They start losing touches and these safe, you know, kind of values, so to speak, end up being complete busts. So I've generally tried to target in the running back dead zone, more backs that are like the opposite that might not have that day one role, but have a bit more upside. So I think Javante Williams last year, who didn't hit as big as we wanted to, because Melvin Gordon stuck around all year long, but I'd rather take like the opposite side of that. More times than not, of course, it's it's like dependent, but it does seem like the market's catching on to that a little bit this year. And it'll be interesting to see where guys like, you know, Ezekiel Elliott right now is going as like running back 20 uh, on underdog. And he's kind of like the poster boy, I guess, for running back. That's, I mean, we got to project him well because he's on this this yeah. Dallas team where he's yeah. the kid. But at the same, I don't know, that one could go either way. So it's a little bit difficult. I think the price tags are a little bit better on a couple of these guys, at least relative to wide receivers, that it's a more 
challenging dynamic this year to me than it was last year, which last year was nine times out of 10, you know, just give me the wide receiver, especially in rounds three through five. And it's because you look right now in rounds three through five and like the top, I mean, even when you start looking at like, I mean, even these guys like Terry McLaurin and DJ Moore and now like Deontay Johnson with, you know, Mitchell Trubisky throwing him the football, you know, Chris Godwin with a bad injury, Tyler Lockett with no, uh, no Russell Wilson. I mean, Michael Thomas coming off injury in a (laughs) a weird quarterback situation. I mean, Michael Pittman, will he have this? I I, I don't know. Maybe Michael Pittman's a guy that probably will do well with Matt Ryan, but he certainly did have a quiet connection with Carson Wentz. What does your boy Levitan say? The church narrative or something, something like that. Bible narrative. The, yeah. The Bible, Bible, narrative. The Bible narrative that Levitan talks about, but all these, like all these dudes, I mean, and then even like, like some of these guys, you got to squint and talk yourselves into like the Marquise Browns or the, I mean, Honor Renfro is, and whenever you get here, it's like, I can I can understand why you're saying it's like maybe loading up at wide receiver through that area might not be as appealing this year as it was last year, at least with the hindsight of knowing, you know, that we could get the Debo Samuels and we could get the Cooper Cups and we could get the uh, you know, Jamar Chases and stuff. like. Yeah, that. I think, you know, the receiver class coming in isn't quite as strong. And I think last year, like we had guys like Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase break out. So they're being drafted in the first two rounds now. Um, But the guys that were being drafted in the first two rounds last year are kind of still being drafted in the first two rounds. So it's just like more wide receivers are being drafted early or the guys that you mentioned, their situations have gotten worse since last year. The Seattle guys, which were staples, you know, Terry Uh McLaurin now a little bit more of a question mark. Deontay Johnson, more of a question mark. And it's not that there aren't good players here. There's definitely some upside. Uh, I, I'm big on the Denver guys where there might be a little bit more juice in the market scene just because it's such a drastic shift at quarterback. I'm big on Juju Smith-Schuster for similar reasons. Um, so there's some some meat on the bone on some of these guys, but there are also some of the, like the sophomores like Elijah Moore and whatnot. I really like them, but man, yeah. it feels like they're being drafted at their their upside case already. Yeah, and, and I actually just did. I actually did right before we got on. I did an underdog draft because I, I, I wanted to talk with you about some of these guys who seem to be rising or seem to be falling. Or you know, I I, I run a few of these drafts every day, just kind of you know try to feel where feel out where people are. And it's really easy to do when you have buy-ins as low as you know, three dollars and five dollars and stuff. You could you could test out these cheat sheets and stuff as just as as, as, much, as much as you want. But um. Today, today was just interesting. There are a couple of guys, and if it's all right, I'll just kind of run a couple of names by you. Uh, yeah. so you can kind of tell me about – because some of these players I noticed going a little bit later than we sort of had them pegged to, to go, some going earlier than we had them pegged to go. I would just like to hear some of your thoughts. So what about Saquon Barkley? In this draft, he went at the, th- at the 3.6. That's starting to be running back dead zone territory. What do you think – I mean, the beginning of the running back dead zone territory. I know that that's not his ADP. But people seem to be down on him because the, the Giants have uh, floated the idea of possibly trading him. He was not good last year. Um, he didn't look like himself last year. It's like, do you, have, do, you, do you have thoughts on Saquon Barkley and whether he presents value on underdog at three at three point six if he's falling there? Yeah, I like Barkley. If you're in like traditional one quarterback best ball and underdog, to get him in the third round is huge. And you can kind of flip the script a little bit. You know, I always talk about the strategy where you draft a couple of running backs early and, but you don't take a lot of them. And generally that's been like the first couple of rounds. But if we're saying, you know, wide receivers gotten better in the first couple of rounds 
and it's a little shaky in rounds three through six, you flip the script, you take your wide receivers the first couple rounds, and then Barkley's kind of your round one running back in round three. And I know people are worried about the risks with injury and whatnot, but this was a guy that was one of the best running back prospects we've had the last decade. And some of the injury stuff can be kind of fluky. He gets a really big coaching change going from Joe Judge and Jason Garrett's offense to Brian Dable, who did great Mm -hmm. things for the Buffalo Bills. And the running back, a lot of times goes as the offense goes. And to have a back that's going to be a full workhorse back in an offense that, I mean, they should not be worse than last year. You know, last year is kind of the floor. I'm, I'm still buying Saquon. I think he has that elite upside that you want. So when we're talking running back dead zone, the guys that scare me, you know, someone like Zeke, that's a tougher conversation is, does he have that elite upside, right? You know, because mm-hmm. he, he needs to churn out, you know, 20 carries and, and get the goal line touches to get there. Barkley, you know, his work in the passing game and his ability to break big plays, he does have that high end upside. So I'm pretty pro Barkley there. As far as other guys who I noticed falling in this in this one particular, this was just a twelve team. Uh, this was a twelve team. Um, what what do they call it? There's so it's the NFL 2022 pre draft best ball. So um, uh, one other guy who fell who I actually got in this draft was David Montgomery at the four eight. That felt a little bit late to me. What do you think about David Montgomery? Why are, are people just super into Khalil Herbert? Um, are they worried about the quarterback situation? coaching change i just i mean at the four or five turn david montgomery felt like a good value to me but uh i'd I'd be interested to hear your thoughts yeah i'm probably like neutral on montgomery there i think that's probably about where he should go it does sound like a touch late and again you know different conversation this year versus last year you know four or five turn last year was jamar chase t higgins and those guys um even cooper cup at times this year it's not so I'm more likely to take a Montgomery. We've got him as our RB 21 about, and I think his current ADP is like very similar to that right on that. So uh, it does look good as far as the workload stuff, because even if Herbert's coming, he doesn't seem like he has the pass down threat that we thought he did the last couple of years, you know, two years ago, Tariq Cohen, Mm -hmm. um, he ended up getting hurt. And then last year, Damian Williams and, and Williams didn't necessarily play the role we thought. So that, that looks good for Montgomery, but there is some systemic risk with this offense. Um, just, you know, given what they'll do with Justin Fields, if they'll target the running backs and uh, just how, uh, you know, how much success the offense is going to have as a whole. A couple more guys right there in that sort of four or five turn that, um, that fell to there that I thought, and maybe it's just because I'm a little bit higher on Amari Cooper because I, I, I just love the idea of him with Deshaun Watson, but he fell to the end of the fourth as well. Travis Etienne, fell to the five three, which I found interesting. I mean, geez, if you just look at where the cheat sheet at roster watch has him, like we have him basically, if he's the available, like the 4.03, he's a guy that we'd be interested in taking there at the, at the early part of the four. So he fell about an extra round. Uh, do you, do you have any thoughts on Amari Cooper or Travis Etienne, both guys who sort of fell in, in this draft? Yeah. Cooper, we're, we like that spot for Amari Cooper quite a bit. I think he's a pretty talented wide receiver. It doesn't seem like he's been able to put together a full season. That's been quite at the level that we've hoped, but he's been a quality receiver year in and year out. Really little target competition for him. And, you know, some uncertainty over 
whether Deshaun Watson gets suspended and if so, how long, but especially if you're playing, when you get into the best ball tournaments where there's playoffs uh, that, you know, Amari Cooper's stock towards the end of the season should rise with Watson there. So I like him. He's one of the receivers I do like in that round three through six range. ETN, man, I'll be honest, Alex, this is a back that I've really struggled to project. There's just, you know, he missed his last season. His rookie year is a lost year. Um, James Robinson's coming off injury. It's another new coaching staff. We have to throw out a ton of what Jacksonville did last year. It was such a disaster with yeah, Urban Meyer. But again, if we are going to take backs in this range, it does make sense to bet on talent. You know, that's what you're doing with Travis Etienne. Uh, you know, it's better to bet on talent than to bet on guys who aren't talented, but just happen to have the workload week one. So in the, in theory, like he's the type of guy I want to bet on. I I am having trouble personally placing exactly where he should go. A couple other guys who fell uh, a little bit later in the draft that had just fall. I mean, I'm, I'm on Ross St. Brown in this draft, fell to the 6-8, which I I've snatched him up. He was available there. And then also then with my next pick at the 7-5, I snatched up Juju Smith-Schuster, who I know is going a lot later than this. But Juju is a guy who uh, you you mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, we have him basically as somebody who we would be comfortable taking in the middle of the sixth round right now, as far as the as far as where we have him priced in uh, versus the ADPs. He fell to the seven five in this in this draft. Um, do you have thoughts Man. on Amon Ra or Juju uh, there at that spot, sort of late sixth to mid seventh round range? Yeah. So look at the most recent ADP. Uh, underdogs got Amon Ross St. Brown wide receiver 31. We have them in our established run ranks wide receiver 26. Oh, Juju's okay. ADP's wide receiver 27. We have him as wide receiver 23. So both those guys were above market on. Personally, I feel stronger about Juju Smith-Schuster. Again, if you're looking for a guy that we could be drafting in round two next year, it's Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, we've seen the elite talent his rookie year. He's battled through injuries. I think it's understated just how bad Ben Roethlisberger and the quarterback play for the Pittsburgh Steelers has been like you could not go to a better spot than playing with Patrick Mahomes with Tyreek Hill shipped out of town like it's just absolutely insane so for me I might get too starry eye like only looking at the upside but when we're talking round six I mean that that's what I care about most the bust rate on any pick when you start getting around six seven is higher than you probably would imagine so give me the upside and you know, Juju Smith-Schuster has all of it. We've seen past talent. He's still young. He's playing with a perfect quarterback. He's playing with a team that's going to score, a team that's going to throw a ton. Checks all the boxes for me. I'm really in on Juju. Well, and, and you mentioned playing with Patrick Mahomes. Just a couple more followers here, and we'll talk about some of these guys. They could possibly be risers based on current trends. But, geez, man, I mean, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I mean, we don't – it isn't like we love him. But, you know, we have him priced in as a player you could take maybe in the 10th round, you know, in the the, the 10th round of one of these drafts, considering what he's getting paid, considering the role he's likely to take on. And he went at at 14.3 in this one. Uh, One of the biggest fallers that there was, another one of the biggest fallers was Chase Edmonds, uh, now in in Miami, who fell to the middle of the 10th round, whereas we have him pegged as a guy that you could take maybe in the 8th round. Um, Do you have thoughts on – on Valdez Scantling, is it the same sort of thing with Juju? You just don't like him as much because he's clearly isn't this is highly pedigreed a player, even though I mean they are paying Valdez Scantling a little bit more money. And then what about Edmonds? What do you make about that situation? I know you follow the uh 
follow the AFCs pretty closely. Um, do, do you think that he's going to be a guy that makes an impact there for, for Miami? Yeah, with MVS, I mean, it's difficult him and Hardman as like the two and three, I feel like with both those guys, the ceilings just capped a little bit where they're not going to be guys that could ever earn, you know, a huge target share. Whereas man, if Juju Smith Schuster was earning a quarter of the team's targets, we wouldn't be shocked. (laughs) Uh, They are going to have their big spike weeks though, which makes sense for best ball. And in the past, it's been really hard to stack Patrick Mahomes because Mahomes has gone too early. Like it's been really difficult to take a quarterback in round two or three in best ball. It's just generally a poor investment. Uh, if he starts falling around five, now all of a sudden you've got Mahomes in round five, Juju in six or seven, and Hardman and MVS in you know the early teens rounds, and you can do a Mahomes stack. So oh, that's yeah. something to keep in mind for tournaments that was very cost prohibitive in the past, and this year it's really not. As far as Edmonds goes, I think he's valued about right. We have him RB 34, his ADP is RB 35. I do think both him and Moster are going to have their spike weeks. I mean, it's similar to what we saw in San Francisco where uh, I expect this ground game to be pretty efficient for Miami and there's going to be some big plays to be had. I think it's going to be difficult to tell who has it each week. My one concern with Edmonds is he had a really nice target base with Arizona is he going to have the same pass catching role of Miami? If he does, the ceiling's huge because you throw in a guy who's going to see, you know, a teen's target share at running back and then has big playability because of, you know, the expected plus efficiency ground game from Mike McDonald coming over from San Francisco. That's huge. But if he starts, you know, seeding targets because he's splitting time in the backfield and they just don't target the backs quite as much as, you know, Edmonds was targeted in Arizona. That's where there's a little bit of risk coming in. Makes yeah, it makes makes perfect sense. And you, and you said you guys had him at, at thirty four. Yeah, RB thirty four, and I think his ADP is like RB thirty five. So we have yeah, him, you know, right in line. It's so funny. It's like I I I hadn't even looked at ADPs or looked at like we have him as RB thirty three. It's just funny how people just kind of come to the same come to this same stuff with this. Uh, uh, over on Underdog, of course, we're talking about Underdog Fantasy, where the NFL draft season is underway, and you can already draft in twenty twenty two fantasy leagues just like i did right before i hopped on with mike um the draft that we're talking about like i feel like there were some real good values in it and right now is the uh, really good time to be able to get in especially pre-draft whenever you can get some of these rookies and stuff uh before people are you know become really enamored by their landing spots and stuff like that it's it's a good positive ev time to play so you can you, you can draft a team in under 10 minutes and plus the folks underdog are gonna help you get started with a deposit match of up to 100 dollars and bonus cash when you sign up and make your first deposit with promo code ROSTER. So go visit underdogfantasy.com in the App Store or the Google Play Store. Sign up with the code ROSTER, and they'll double your deposit up to $100. There'll be a link in the uh, show notes for that. So Underdog Fantasy, promo code ROSTER. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill all right leone let's talk about some of these guys who uh, seem like they're maybe rising a little bit but it's, it's, it feels weird some of these guys i'm just like why are they going so, so let me just ask you about this so with the 2.09 and the 2.10 in this draft two two guys went that i just felt were 
too early. And that was Mark Andrews at the 2.09 and T. Higgins at the 2.10. Are we getting a little bit over our skis about T. Higgins, considering he's 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 the most definitely the, the number two in his own offense? Yeah, I'm I'm a pretty big T. Higgins fan. That is where, where did you say he went again? At the 210. Yeah, we've got him wide receiver 10, um, which is which is not quite 210. That's more of a third round pick for us. Um, so I think 210 is a little bit early. I do think Higgins has a pretty elite profile, and I'm not there's something I try not to get too concerned about is the competition for targets on a team where I know it's going to be Jamar Chase and T Higgins. And I know it's an efficient quarterback. It's a team that hopefully leans into the passing game a bit more. There were times last year where we thought they were going to start getting aggressive and then they peeled back and kind of went back and forth for us. If they're more aggressive, you know, the efficiency is going to get both these guys there. They're both going to have really big spike weeks. We saw that the latter half of the season where they trade off huge weeks, which makes T Higgins a little bit, better of a play in best ball than it does in managed. And I do like to consider always, um, you know, we consider this a lot at running back, like the cast that happens, but it's a three headed monster in Cincinnati. I mean, Tyler Boyd's like pretty far behind the other two, mm-hmm. but if one of those guys goes down, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. there's some more, there's some hidden upside in the other one. So I like T Higgins quite a bit. I'd say two tens too early, but I, I am pro T Higgins. I guess I feel similarly with Andrews where like, Man, I really like Mark Andrews, but that's a you know, that, that's a that's a third round pick. Uh, I do think it's pretty valuable in best ball to get a you know a contributing tight end like that because you have the ability then to only take two tight ends and still beat your opponents at tight end, and that clears up. You know, you can add an extra receiver, extra running back. You've just got more roster flexibility when you take that tight end early. But yeah, again, those those guys are third round picks. I think sneaking them into early two, uh, there's too much competition, in my opinion. We don't have them ranked quite that high. It feels weird to call this guy a riser because he's not. He's a guy that I had moved down our rankings or not our rankings, but our our visual representation of where the value is on our on our cheat sheet. And Jalen Waddle, he just went so much earlier than I had him slotted. He went at the two eleven, um, so he went right after T Higgins. Is that just somebody thinking that? Maybe Tyreek Hill is going to come and just take. Uh, I just don't know. I mean, how can Waddle go with the two eleven? Is have you guys adjusted his his ranks? Or yeah, we had a lot of conversation about how to rank Tyreek oh, sure. Hill and and Jalen Waddle. Um, it's a pretty difficult ranking because I mean Tyreek Hill. Whenever you go from Patrick Mahomes to anybody else, you know, however you feel about Tua, it's going to be a pretty big downgrade. And he's, it was a pretty unique connection. It's difficult to figure out how that's going to work. I mean, similar with like Devonte Adams had a pretty unique connection with Aaron Rodgers. Like I'm sure he's still going to get fed in Las Vegas, but some of the goal line stuff they did, you know, it's, it's just hard to, to tell how that's going to translate to a new team. So I'm pretty pro Waddle where I'm excited for his after the catch ability in an offense. I think will scheme because last year he had a bunch of short eight out routes and there just wasn't this space to convert those into big plays. And I think the combination of a new coaching staff that's smarter offensively having Tyree kill as a downfield threat is going to open up some more yak for Waddle. Um, again, this is kind of the T Higgins conversation though. I like the player. That seems a little early. We have him wide receiver 14. So we have him early. We have Tyreek Hill wide receiver 12. We're probably lower on Tyreek Hill uh, than the market is. You know, we've got those two and half PPR, like pretty close 
to one another. Where, where, where do you have Tyreek 12? We have Tyreek wide receiver 12 and Waddle wide receiver 14. Oh, so you have so basically what you did, you moved down Tyreek, but you kind of with with Waddle, you just think it just kind of consolidates those two guys closer to one another. It's not you think. It's, yeah, we're and this might be wishful thinking, but like just betting on a, a young rookie like Waddle who had a pretty oh pretty good prospect profile, so, had a yeah. really good year one. I kind of think some of the lost targets he's going to see to Tyreek Hill is going to net out with better efficiency in this offense with Tyreek Hill creating space for him. And, you know, whereas Tyreek Hill, I think he peels back on a team that's not going to throw as much and loses some efficiency from the quarterback position. So I do think those two are a lot more similar than the market has them, which the market has Tyreek Hill still you know, a handful of wide receiver spots ahead of Waddle. We've got them pretty close. A couple more guys who might be sort of risers, I guess, before I want to ask you about these guys who was basically the biggest, you know, discrepancy between where we have them slotted and where they went. Uh, mm-hmm. But just for these two, uh, one of them, I just wanted to ask you about him specifically was Dawson Knox because he felt, I mean, we have Dawson Knox listed on the cheat sheet above Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz went at the 7-7, whereas Dawson Knox didn't go to the 9-5. So I ended up taking – I ended up peeling off Dawson Knox in this in this draft. And another guy uh, who was just his, – as far as where he's positioning on the sheet versus where he went in this draft is just, you know, a really big difference was A.J. Dillon who went in the mid-sixth round. Um, if you could – if you could just tell me your thoughts on Dawson Knox, if you think he'll continue with the touchdown production or how that's going to work. Cause they, they've brought in some new receiving threats. And I know that, I know that you, you know, love following the bills and I know that you love following target <laughs> share and all the rest of the stuff. So, I mean, what, what do you, what do you, what do you think about Knox? And then what about AJ Dillon in the, in, in the mid sixth? Yeah. So Knox is a very difficult player to rank project. I think we get a group of tight ends starting with about Knox, honestly. I, I do have, have Schultz ahead of him. I feel pretty confident in Schultz. But then when you get to Knox, there's a group of tight ends. I mean, that we have like eight tight ends all within like a 15-spot ranking of one Are you another. talking about it's, the Friar Muse and the Ertzes and stuff? Yeah, uh, like even just, like Jasicki, um, Albert O. Like I guess you could throw Tunyon in there now that there might be. Uh, I mean, there's just, What about Fan? Does he belong in there? Yeah, we've got fan. Yeah, fans right in that group of Ertz is in there where it's like, yeah. like if we fudge the projection a little bit, like the target share one point, like a guy could move from T18 to T10 or T10 to T18. With Knox, it's such it's an efficiency play, right? I mean, he's not going to get a ton of targets, but he's going to, you know, he's going to, he's going to be utilized in the red zone for a team that is going to throw a whole bunch overall. They're going to score a ton of passing touchdowns over the course of the season. I feel pretty safe with him, especially in best ball. So I do like Knox. We have him again at the front of this tier of like 10, almost like eight to 10 tight ends, but it's really loose. And that almost makes me want to wait a little bit on tight end, just because I think it's all so fragile in there that I, I'd, you know, kind of go somewhere else and take the discount. I, I, I just want to ask you about these three other guys, but before I do, let me, you mentioned that about waiting on tight end. If you do wait on tight end to that range, would you be comfortable in, in just in a 12 team, in a 12 team setup, be it, you know, a tournament um, kind of deal, like underdog will be rolling out here in the next few weeks after the draft when they, when they announce their big monster tournament, it's going to pay out like a million bucks or whatever. Like do you, if it, if you were to get to that range with the, Dawson Knoxes and the Ertzes and the Gesickis and the Fans and the Friar Muse and 
you know, these types of guys. Do you want to take two of those guys or three of those guys? I probably, if I'm waiting to the double digit round, which if I'm doing that strategy, I probably am. I'm going to want three of those tight ends. I think, you know, I think last year I got a little aggressive only taking two in this range and the bust rates are so, so high that I think it's worth taking three. And, you know, a lot of weeks just comes down to whether or not the tight end finds the red zone. I mean, we like Herb Smith in this range, like relative to ADP, a decent bit. Um, but I mean, it, like I said, there's 10 tight ends, but even if you go down further to Njoku, another guy in Cleveland, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the Noah Fant, who you mentioned, who we have as above ADP, he's going as tight end 21. They're saying like, Logan just, Thomas is going to be healthy too. I mean, it's somebody you could think about maybe they even a little bit lower down. Yeah. So I'm just honestly playing the price tags here more than anything. I think there's enough bodies here that you can wait it out and get three rather than, you know, be overconfident in the one you're selecting and only having to take two. Cause you know, you allocated more draft capital to the position by taking it earlier. All right. So he is, he is Mike Leone. You can find him on Twitter at two hats, one Mike also at establish the run where they have everything going on right now. NFL, USFL, got golf, it all. NBA, dynasty they got it all for you they got they got a great team over there to establish the run like i said uh could not personally vouch for the content over there enough and we always love having mike on so thank you for coming on mike uh, i got i got one quick question for you before we get out just the last question and these are the three guys who basically popped up and i i know it's for i know why but i i need to update where they are on the sheet these guys all we basically had on the sheet about two to three rounds before where they went they all basically went in the 10th, 10th ish to mid 11th round. Do you think that these guys belong here? And out of these three, which one would you feel most comfortable taking there? There are three different positions. So, one, Ronald Jones, now in Kansas City, in, you know, mid 11th. Russell Gage, now in Tampa Bay, at the beginning of the 11th. And Albert O. Now freed from the Noah Fant stuff at the end of the eleventh. I like Albert O the most of those. Uh, his I think it was Dwayne McFarland of Pro Football Focus had put out a tweet. His yards per route run and targets per route run really high. So when he's been on the field, he's produced at a, at a pretty high level. Really encouraging signs from a young tight end. And now you get a massive upgrade in quarterback play. You get a massive upgrade in target share potential with Noah Fant gone. I like him the most. Again, in that cluster of tight ends where I'm not going to reach crazy on him just because I think everyone's in there. But I do think he might have a little bit more upside than the others. And the price tag isn't too bad on him right now. Uh, Ronald Jones, I've struggled with ranking um <laughs> welcome to the club i think we've been in, i think we've all been in that boat for the last couple of years right oh i got burned i've been, just been burned every which way on ronald jones <laughs> whether i take them i don't take them it's been it's been a bad track record with ronald jones <laughs> right now we have him below adp i think that's a little early where i don't know, i just think he's one of a bunch of handcuffy type guys he's not going to contribute in the passing game at all it's like, is the rushing work upside there for Kansas city? Is it worth it? And you know, he might just, if he steps in and has the goal line roll right away, he might walk into a lot of touchdowns and be worth it. But I am concerned that Clyde Edwards, Alaire is still going to see, you know, the majority of the touches here, especially in the past game. So I think that's a little bit too early for Ronald Jones. 
What about what about Gage? Do you, do you have any thoughts on Gage? Just 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 before we get out, just before we get out, I do and, like Gage. He's someone that I think has more talent than a lot of people, including myself, have given him credit for the last couple of years. I mean, last year in some ways we kind of used him as the poster child, as the boring wide receiver that you know doesn't have a ton of upside, and he really produced in a difficult situation. And now Tampa Bay, he's going to have opportunity to begin the year until Chris Godwin works his way back. They're a team that throws enough to feed multiple miles. They spread the ball around. So even as the wide receiver three there, I think he's going to have his big days. So I think that's about right where he should be going. And uh, I wouldn't even mind, you know, taking him in round 10 or so. 